You're listening to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig. How's it going? We're back for another lovely episode of our podcast here. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be doing a weekly show. Yeah, it is nice because we did it for a long time. And then last year was particularly rough, but it's nice to be able to get back into a swing. It like it just becomes a thing you do now every week. Yeah, it's like, great. It's back it's in me- habit kind of territory, which is yeah. Nice. It's it's not even an issue. It's just like oh, podcasting. You know, it's just part of the week. It's uh, something to look forward to. Exactly, and I always do look forward to it to be able to chat baseball with my best dude. Oh, besties. Besties for life. Well, BFFs. Certainly more than half of our lives. I know. That's insane. It's been a, it's been a while in our, in our friendship. Did um, you have a good Memorial Day weekend, Joe? I did have a good Memorial Day weekend. I got to go out of town, spend some time at the, uh, at the in-laws resort. At the armpit of America? <laughs> yes, in the armpit of America and get my, to put my very pale feet up at the poolside and, uh. That's never bad. It was it was enjoyable, I must say. How about you? I had a hit or miss Memorial Day weekend. A little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Do you care to indulge us on your hits or misses, or should we move uh, on? No, just work crap. Oh, yes, the work crap. Yeah. Yes, the work crap I am aware of. Yeah. Well, even in even in beer, there's there's bad days. Yes, which is, you know, would shock many people, but there is no perfect job. But the great thing is, at the end of the day... There's still beer. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And cheers to that. And on that note, I know we have a question from uh, the Baron of all baseball podcasts. Uh, so, But I'll ask part of it now. What are you drinking? I, right now, am drinking a Mao. M-A-H-O-U. It's a Spanish lager. And how is it? It's refreshing. Refreshing is good on a day like today. Although, oh, yeah. I did tweet out that I wanted to do the live show from the from our patio, but... There are two kind of hang-ups to that. Number one... Squirrels. Uh, let's make it three. Gorillas. Four. Uh, I didn't want all of the ambient noise of the cars in my, in my, that pulled up and down my alleyway behind my house. Uh, and thing number two, I didn't want all of my neighbors to have to listen to me talk baseball for an hour and a half on my porch. God, you're such a Pennsylvanian calling it an alleyway. I know. It's, it's really a parking lot, I guess, but... Yeah, it's definitely a parking lot, folks. But you know, but it's it pulled up to the driveway and garage. And yeah, it's an alleyway. That's a that is a Pennsylvania thing, I guess. Fair yeah. enough. So I am stuck inside uh, with a fan on, uh, but I do have the blinds open. So that's something. But as soon as the show ends, I'm go I'm going to edit on the on the the balcony. So that's my that's my compromise. That's not so bad. No, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in the basement because it's really cool in the basement. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous of that pitch dark and got the game on it's good i also have the game on and it's the nationals one so yeah we uh if you listen to the live stream or even before we started the live stream we did literally zero planning for the show <laughs> so like less than normal yeah which is really saying something like i've been doing a pretty good job of getting a you know I guess a lineup. Do we, we'll just call it a lineup. It's baseball. Yeah, it's a lineup. Um, but this week, you know, short week ish, been a little bit crazy. So yeah, uh, same for me. 
Yeah, so haven't had the time, so we're just going on a wing and a prayer. Yeah, we're going to, uh, yeah, we're just going to wing it, as you as you uh, said so succinctly and better than me. Uh, so the one thing that I had on my list that I wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, Bryce Harper getting hit in the knee by a baseball. Oh, yeah. So, and we will get to a bunch of questions also, by the way. I will, we, we do have a, a number of questions, and we'll get to those, and we'll, we'll fill a good chunk of show, we promise. Um, but yeah, Bryce Harper got hit by a... Got hit by a baseball in the knee in the first game of the Phillies series, and it didn't look awesome because I was talking with a coworker about this. Think about when you're sitting at your desk. I don't have a desk, Joe. I'm get to your hypothetical desk. Greg. Okay, I'm at a hypothetical desk. Or think about when you're desk? getting in your car, which oh, is your okay. office. There we go. And you sit down and you're spinning around or you're moving around and you bump your knee real hard against something. Yes, that hurts uh, a lot. It's like you sit and you're like, "Wow, that that's really painful." You you might make that like Peter Griffin from Family Guy. <sighs> you know, I know not. Bryce Harper got hit in the knee by a ninety plus mile an hour fastball. <laughs> that's not so. And it was a flush. Actually, it might have been a slider. Now that I think about it, but we're talking more than eighty mile an hour pitch. It. Just think about your desk moving at 10 miles an hour hitting your knee, and he got hit by that pitch. So it's no wonder that he doubled over in pain immediately. Yeah, uh, and uh, I've watched the video. He did not go to the ground. No, he did not, which is pretty amazing. Because he got hit in the knee by an 80-plus mile an hour pitch. And, you know, it looked like thigh at first, and then you watched the replay, and it was squarely on yeah, the side of the knee. It was brutal. Yeah. Which is which is awful by for by all accounts. Do, did we ever establish? And I'm just going to ask you this question: that whether it was his knee that he had the bursa sac surgery on, or was it the opposite knee? I have not established that fact. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. So if you are listening to the live stream and, and know the answer to that, help us out. Um, but you never want to see <laughs> any guy get hit in the knee and. You know, I think it's clear at that point in the game with a breaking pitch, there is no chance that there was any intent there. Like, I don't think there was any thought process to like, I'm going to throw at Bryce Harper here. Do you, did you get any, I'm not trying to get in people's heads or anything like that particularly, but did you get any impression that like, oh yeah, this is a thing that was intentional? I'd say there would, there was a little bit of a chance it was intentional. For why would you say that? Uh, It was, the Phillies had just taken a 2-1 lead. Yeah, it was later in the game. It was the seventh inning. Um, Bryce Harper in such a small bar- ballpark can easily tie the game. He yeah. has, I believe, uh, his most home runs away from Nats Park are at Citizens Bank. Oh, yeah. is that true? I did not know that. I believe it is. Um, please don't correct me if I'm wrong. Um, don't add him. That's right. So. Yeah, I thought there was a chance, uh, less than 20, but more than five. Okay. That it was intentional. Just because if you were going to hit Bryce Harper with a pitch, you save four pitchers. The starter was in at the time. Yeah. Uh, you save the intentional walk. You get him on base. And, you know, you take that home run, at least his ability to hit a home run, out of the equation. Well, that leads me to a point, and I'm just going to jump a little bit because it's a question that we got from uh, Vandy Girl, uh, Jen, who uh, asked the question, what do you think about the idea of eliminating actual pitches on an intentional walk? Uh, um, what do you think? I, 
I haven't given it too much thought, but I would say there is merit to it. Right. Uh, I think that I like the idea that it, that a mistake could be made because the one time every two years where it happens, it's just amazing. Right. When when somebody when a major league pitcher can't lollipop a ball seventy miles an hour, sixty miles an hour to home plate, and instead he throws it over the plate, and a pitcher and a hitter who's actually paying attention tries to hit it, or it ends up at the backstop. There's something about that that's enjoyable. But on this on the same token, Major League Baseball is trying to make games faster, and those four pitches are a minute. Right. I think it's a. I don't know. I think there's a lot that goes into it. I, if you'd asked me yesterday, I would have said, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Uh, today, I feel a little bit differently. If you ask me tomorrow, I'm sure I'll feel a differently, a third way or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, I think there are ways to. I know baseball is really big, and Rob Manfred's one of one of his uh, one of his big things is to speed up pace of play, and I understand that that will cut one minute off of the game, and that's fine and that's wonderful. But I don't care about baseball going too long. Yeah, um, I don't want every game to be Red Sox Yankees long. Yeah, but I don't care that much. Um, it's not my problem to grow the game. It's not my job to grow baseball. And I understand that is Manfred's job, according to the owners and all of that. But I don't see any reason for it. I don't like it today just because there's a lot that actually happens when it, when a pitcher's throwing an intentional walk. I mean, there might be a runner on base and there are some pitchers that whip it in there and throw 90 miles an hour to a catcher. There are some that throw it 55 miles an hour. There's a lot of gamesmanship that can happen there. And, yeah, once out of every hundred, something might actually happen, but once out of every hundred, something really cool happens. And yeah. I don't – I I think it's worth it to for a minute. I think if you want to take time off elsewhere, you can do that. Yeah. I don't know. I just – I I honestly won't care either way, but yeah. I don't see any reason. That to get was rid exactly of it. what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, you know, it's one of those things where I kind of like it in the game. It's kind of a cool little nuance thing. It's like you're intentionally saying, "I don't think you're very good," and you have to throw some pitches because I'd rather face the guy after you for whatever. You know, I, I think the person after you is not very good, so I'd rather face that guy. But ultimately, I don't care. Yeah, I don't think like, I'll care. I don't. I don't. If if next year they said. If you're going to intentionally walk a guy, you you walk off the rubber and you say that's an intentional walk and the guy goes to first base. I I don't think that messes with the integrity of baseball, and I don't particularly care. No, not so much. Um, I think if you want to speed up the game, there are many, 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 many other ways you can do that. I think it's essentially a formality uh, yeah. for the most part. So I really don't have that much problem with it, but... I wouldn't eliminate it if it were my choice. Yeah, I wouldn't eliminate it, but I also wouldn't care if they did. That's kind of how I feel about it, honestly. Yep. Um, so back to the original conversation. I wanted to hit that since we were talking about it. but So you don't think there's any chance it was intentional? I'm not saying I don't think there's any chance, because I think there's always a chance of something being possible. I, I don't kind of believe in absolutes for the most part, but I think that the chances are very low. I don't yeah. think. I don't. I, I would not... 
I think the chances are less than 10% that it was on purpose. It was yeah. just a pitch where Bryce Harper was, you know, they were trying to pitch in on Bryce Harper with a slider and get him to swing and miss. And he started a little bit too far, too far inside. Yeah, I he think, held on it too long. I think the, the fact that it's a slider is what makes me feel as confident in that. If, if, well, if you, if you hit someone, you hit them with, you like to hit them with breaking stuff. You don't usually throw fastballs. I, I get that, but if you want to make sure you hit somebody, you hit them with a fastball. That's true. I mean, I, we saw it with Noah Syndergaard last week. Like right, he, right. He wanted to make sure that he hit Chase Utley, and he, and he hit him with a fastball. I mean, he missed him, actually. But it was, <laughs> it was a purpose pitch, and that a purpose pitch is usually a fastball. I, it might be I don't really care if I had Bryce Harper because I want to come inside on him and I'm going to throw him the slider, but I don't, I don't think it was on purpose, personally. Um, but, you know, anything's possible. Yeah, um, I think it's probably a little bit more possible just because I think everyone's a schmuck. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I, I am, I will say, I'm kind of happy that there hasn't been a round of beanball. That was uh, exactly come out the next it. thing I was going to talk about. It was, uh, of course, it was. That was really a thing that concerned me with it happening at the beginning of the series, um, kind of early. You know, beginning of the series, beginning not at the very end of the first game where Bryce Harper gets hit. And then with Hellickson throwing over four times at the at-bat and then Harper getting thrown out at first base. It, yeah, where it, do you come down on that whole throwing over thing? I, t- I tweeted it at the time, and I, I stand by it. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong. He's taking advantage of a situation, and that's a baseball player's job to do. It's a massive dick move. It's a huge dick move. But I don't have a problem with him doing it. I mean, it's... There's a, a player that you know has a weakness that you're taking advantage of. I, I don't know. I, I think that that's just kind of yeah, I, You're trying to get any advantage that you can against your opponent, and that was one of them. Even despite the fact that it was an advantage he created. Yeah, I mean, like I said, dick move. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, morally, it's probably not the coolest thing, but he's trying to win a baseball game, and he... Like, there's no chance that Bryce Harper's running in that situation. But he no. still threw over four times. I mean, if I were by the second time, I would. If I were Bryce Harper, I would literally have stood a foot from the bag. Yeah, like because you don't want to slide back. But you know, Harper's also trying to be like, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get in my head here. You're not gonna. Right. But yeah, I, I thought that whole situation was, uh, it, it was a dick move. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I'm not gonna say it was sketchy because it's not sketchy. It's it's taking advantage of a known weakness, but it's a dick move. It's not something that I would hope to see a Nationals pitcher do. I will, I will say that. But, you know, I, I can't blame Hellickson for trying to take advantage either. Um, but is that how you come down, or do you, are you like, no, that's total crap? No, that makes sense. I mean, it was a dick move. Yeah. But... I honestly don't think I'd have too much of a problem with it if one of the Nationals pitchers did it. Yeah. Just because, like like you said, it's gamesmanship, it's all that, and you, you've you got an advantage and you want to take advantage. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to capitalize on that. So, I mean, I'm also the guy that says I don't understand why second baseman and shortstop don't, or third baseman for that matter, don't slap a tag on as hard as you can and try and knock their hand off the base. Yeah, right. And then he was I just, yeah. it was a baseball play. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I, just trying to make the tag, you know. Exactly. It's not my fault his hand wasn't on the base. Yeah. So, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, it was it was just interesting, but do you think Harper is back tomorrow? 
I think there's Night? a chance. I think he'll be back this weekend. Okay. Yeah, I do think he'll be back this weekend. I, I don't know about tomorrow. I think uh, uh, Thursday off is. Wait, isn't there an off day on Thursday? I thought the game was on Friday. I think they're off tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, there on you Thursday. go. Thursday. Uh, confirming accurate. Um, there you go. So I think. Oh no, that makes me sad. I know. I hate off days. Oh, off days are terrible. But I think with an off day on Thursday. Uh, nobody playing. Harper apparently was taking, you know, swings in the cages. I think there's a pretty good chance he's back this weekend, if not on Friday. I think this weekend. I I, I feel pretty pretty confident about it. Do you have that feeling or no? I never have that feeling yeah, with any never, injury. Yeah, it's, you never know. I mean, it was like the. I think I saw. I think it was Records and Radio tweeted a thing that was like he tweeted a day to day kiss of death. <laughs> well, it was Anthony Rendon from last spring training that was like. Oh yeah, he dove and banged up his knee, but you know he we expected to be to be back in a day or two, and he would miss like the first like two and a half months of the season. Yeah, you know it, you never know what's going to happen, especially with knees. They flame, they flare up and swell up and get fluid in them and get yeah. they're they're dicey, but bursa sacs and shit. Yeah, well Harper doesn't have a bursa sac in one knee. I don't know. They just took the whole bursa yeah, I think that's sac. What they do. Out? I think they drain the whole thing and. And remove it. I think that's the fix. Oh wow! If, I thought if it was I remember just like correctly. a draining of the sack of yeah. bursa. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what bursa is, but either. but I know that it swells up. That you're allowed to at me if you know what a bursa is. Please <laughs> at Craig. At me, uh, your best definition of bursa hashtag ntogg hashtag sack. Well played, sir. Um, no, and I encourage everyone to check out my article on thenatsblog.com, the yes. brand new thenatsblog.com. It's beautiful. No. It's beautiful. I don't think it is, but... It, it's beautiful there's because content. my writing is now on it. Yeah, exactly. There's content, and that makes me happy. Hashtag content. Hashtag content. No, it's, it's, I wrote a piece on Bryce Harper. Um, it would not shock me if Bryce Harper went on the disabled list. Uh, and it also, as my piece states, would not be the worst thing in the world. It would not be the worst timing in the world if he did. Right. Um, Zimmerman and Worth are hitting better than they have all season. The schedule is incredibly favorable over the next two series, and even into the Cubs series after the Reds, White Sox, Phillies again, um, where the Nationals are looking to actually miss Jake Arrieta. Yeah, which is awesome. And so, I, I think I saw they're going to, if everything holds up, they're going to miss Jake Jake Arrieta, Chris Sale, and Jose Quintana. That's pretty nice scheduling right there. That If that, in fact, holds, that would be, like, best case scenario for the Nationals. They're, like, yes. they're avoiding three of the best pitchers in baseball. Right. And really, and from two extremely good teams. I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah, so the, the the schedule looks favorably. It's I, I had a good time writing the piece. P- please read it. You and, should read it. It's very yeah. good. You should read it. Uh, yeah. Anything else on the Harper getting hit and and hurt situation? No, it looks like they haven't needed him too much because Daniel Murphy's really good at baseball. Can't stop hitting. And who like Daniel Murphy? Who got hit in today's baseball game? <laughs> of course. Um, did we discuss this previously? Uh, I know I'm, I kind of dropped it in there, but I feel like we need to talk about this a little bit more. He is hitting almost 400. Yeah, it's it is June. Like 
he is he is hitting almost 400. Yeah. And it's June actually now. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said it's almost June. No, it, I said it's it's June. It's actually June. It's yes. Actually June. It's it's crazy. He is uh the the best uh season average over the last what? God. 30 years has been Tony Gwynn at finished the year at 394. Yeah. That's not impossible. Yeah, which is which is insane, and I, I think it comes. It goes back to the fact of when the Nationals signed Daniel Murphy, and I kind of had to, you know, we kind of were forced to learn a little bit more about him and the fact that he did really well in the playoffs, and he has some unfortunate social stances, and that was basically what we knew about Daniel Murphy, at least what I knew about. Oh, and his defense was really bad. Um, and you look back at his offensive numbers, and you go, well, he he has a pretty high career average even coming before this year has brought that up a few points but uh he's his career batting average is like 290 something uh his on-base percentage is unfortunately never all that much higher than that and he never had that much slugging he was just a contact type player with bad defense and at second base and so you're like what are you going to get from that guy but with not a lot of power with not that's what i'm saying like he, he has no slugging numbers to speak of but this year he's come into it, and he not only has the ridiculous average, he's hitting for some power. I think he has nine home runs already on the year. Yeah, his career high is fourteen. Yeah, and that wasn't that last year. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like he doesn't hit. He's not a traditional home run hitter. But and I don't know if it's the Nationals running into something and 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 really lucking out, or if it's Mike Rizzo actually seeing something from what he was seeing from Daniel Murphy last season and into the postseason. But uh, the Nationals really have something in, in Murphy to start the year. You. I think it's too easy to be like, oh yeah, hitting 400 is really hard. Hitting 400 is not possible in minor in, in modern baseball. If Tony Gwynn could not do it, nobody can hit 400. Yeah, if Tony Gwynn and Ichiro could not do it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Ichiro, very good point. Yeah. If those guys are not hitting 400, nobody is hitting 400. It's just you can't hit 400 in 21st century baseball. That's just the way it is, and that's a a point of comfort in a lot of ways. Like like Ty Cobb and Ted Williams, you know, like those are the guys that hit 400. But Daniel Murphy, more than like two months into the season now, hitting 397 coming into today's baseball game is like not real. Yeah. That's that's not something that should happen in modern baseball. There are too many things that have changed from the time where pitchers went out and pitched 400 innings a season and everything else that, I don't know, I I think that people are like acknowledging what's happening without an understanding of how ridiculous it is. Does that right. make sense? That makes sense to me. Yeah, I, it's he's very, very good, and his bat is very, very good right now. And you, he doesn't show any signs of slowing with it. I mean, he just every, he's hitting pitches you shouldn't hit, and he's squaring everything up that you should. He's just seeing the baseball, and that's pretty amazing. It is. It's really nice. Yeah, uh, I, w- I definitely want to talk about the. I did not mention this from the previous, and I, I we kind of moved on. But do, is it surprising to you that the Nationals have not had any retribution for the plunking situation? Is that surprising to you? That wait, with wait. Harper with Harper being hit and then Murphy and being thrown over a few times, Murphy being hit today, is there a surprise to you that that nobody on the Phillies has gotten hit yet? No, I, I'm not surprised at all, uh, strictly because 
the games have all been really close. Yeah. Um, even the game the Nationals won by multiple runs, it was, you know, ninth inning runs. It wasn't... Right. It was late in the game, and you're yeah. not going to just plunk a guy in the ninth inning when you're trying to win a game. Right. So, yeah. not that surprised. Do you think, think that, that a plunking would have happened had there been a, a, a laugher? I don't know if it would have happened, but I think the likelihood would have been much higher. Yeah. I, I don't... I just don't see it happening. I, I think, it, like... Mets a la Chase Utley a few series down the road when people start to forget about it, maybe. Um, and just kind of be like, hey, we remembered this. You hit our guy. He got hurt for a while. That's not cool. But I think that among the things that major league managers are learning, that Dusty learned uh, in general, is baseball is changing and it's not something that it, people want to see. I don't think it's as important to the players anymore. Um I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally off base. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know about the whole important to the players thing. Yeah, I could be uh, wrong there. Especially seeing all of the stuff that's come out of this whole uh, Jose Bautista bat flip yeah, retribution, Brunetto door kind yeah, of thing. I totally forgot that was a thing. Yeah, you're totally right. I'm yeah, right. Bautista <laughs> has come out saying many, many things, and so I think it. I think it matters to the players. I think you're right. Bit. Yep. So good point. Um, that's a I. I I see that point entirely. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't matter to me and I, I I hate seeing it and I don't want to watch it. So yeah, it's not, it's, it's kind of, uh, you kind of feel like guilty about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like a little bit, a little bit dirty. It, you, it, it feels dirty. Like watching a Republican debate. Nice. Yeah. It just feels slimy. It feels like, like watching a Republican debate. Yeah. All, all of that. It feels like watching somebody get mugged is what it feels like. It feels, yeah, it's just, <laughs> I don't, I don't like it, and yeah. uh, I would rather not see it. So that's that. Uh, bullpen use. I would like to talk about bullpen use a little bit because we talked. I, I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before that, but I talked about how I was totally on board with Dusty. And you were like, yeah, I'm getting there, and I'm not totally sure if I'm totally there yet because of pitching use. And over the last couple of weeks, I've paid a lot of attention to that because, you know, you say things, I listen, and I, I pay attention to those things. And pitch, starting pitchers have continued to go late into the games. I really don't have any problem with that. I think that should be the point, and I think it, it takes a lot of pressure off the bullpen, which has been good. Um, but there was a stat that I heard, I feel like I heard on the TV broadcast maybe two nights ago on t on Monday night where um, Felipe Rivero has been used in at that point had been used in half the baseball games and there have been two games since then he's pitched twice so I think he's been used in more than half of Nationals games at this point and admittedly he's been awesome including his like dancey slide step yesterday which was yeah that was a great gift thank you but oh my god it was so entertaining I watched it about a million times. I, I would like to say I made it for the people, but really I just made it for myself so I could watch it over and over again. Yes. But I, you know, I don't have a problem with it yet because you you have to expect a guy to be able to pitch some innings. And Tyler Clippard certainly pitched his fair share of innings over the course of his time in D.C. And he did very well for a long time. And I, I, I know we both think that Rivero could be the Nationals closer in 2017. But 
has your thought process on Dusty Baker's use of pitching changed at all? I guess is my long way of getting to that question. Like, for the good or the bad? Um, compared to? Compared to two weeks ago when you said you were, eh, I'm not so sure. Like, I'm kind of on board, but the pitching's concerning me. I'm not there yet kind of thought process. Um, I'm more comfortable with it. The team seems to be really responding to it. One of the things, uh, that I really appreciate about what he's been doing is there are no defined roles. Yeah, it's so good. I really like that there's not a, this is the eighth inning, so it's going to be you. Because the number on the board says eight. Right. Uh, I like that context is coming into it, which is honestly not something, oh, Scherz has the stock going tonight. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I love the Scherz stock. It's so good. Oh, man. Hashtag Scherz stock. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, I like that he's changing it up a little bit. I like that even in the ninth inning, he sometimes won't go to Papelbon just because he's the closer, yeah. uh, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. There was, I a, mean, in, in save situations, Papelbon's always appearing, but he's not the only guy pitching in the ninth inning. Like we talked about, I think last right. time we talked about it, like Felipe Rivero has pitched in the ninth inning one or two times in save situations because there were lefties up and Rivero's nasty against lefties and he throws really hard. So right. why there not was take advantage of that? There was a situation specifically, um, I believe it was actually in the last week, where I think there were two-plus runners on. It was the bottom of the eighth, and he took it. He put in Rivera, or uh, maybe it was even the seventh inning, and uh, Dusty Baker brought in Rivera, yeah. and he just absolutely mowed him down. He's using his best relievers in the highest leverage situations, which, which is all you can ask for. It's from a, a manager. It's, it's our. It's a dream for people like for you a sabermetric. Yeah, guy. exactly. That's what you want to do. You want your best pitcher where he's most needed, and instead of waiting for oh Rivera's, you know, I like to have him in the eighth or maybe the ninth inning, depending. He put him in the highest leverage possible situation where he could do the most good, and it turned out because he went with the best pitcher. Exactly. So I I am I I've really taken notice to it as and, well. And recognizing I, I when the starting pitcher is the best pitcher in that situation, you you know going into the seventh inning and saying, yeah, this guy's at ninety five pitches, but he's had some fairly easy innings, like with Joe, excuse me, with Joe Ross the other night, where he, you know, came out for the seventh inning, kind of was struggling, clearly fatiguing, hit over a hundred pitches, but. You look at, at your options in the bullpen. You look at your situation. You Joe Ross has given up one run in six-plus innings, and you go, you know, this is our best guy in this situation. I'm going to try and get him to finish seven innings. And it had nothing to do with the fact that Joe Ross needed that time to get the win or whatever. It didn't make a difference. It was Joe Ross is the best pitcher. Who am I going to bring out of the bullpen right now that's going to be able to do this job right now? Maybe Sean Kelly. But Joe's been good. I'm going to stick with him. I think it's kind of the philosophy has gone to – is kind of uniform across all pitching and you kind of you he has a formula and it seems to be working at this point and I, it's hard to fault it yeah it's uh i know in the offseason dusty baker had said a couple things in press conferences or media availabilities where he said something along the lines of i'm not the same manager don't you think i would have learned by this point yeah about 
you know, this kind of stuff that he didn't have when he was managing last, when he was managing with the Reds. Yeah, and, and all the stuff that you and I talked about with our concerns over his his use of pitchers in the past and kind of just looking at historical data and kind of uh, traditional thought processes that had long since gone with Dusty Baker. Right, and he said, don't you think I would have learned this by this point? And he's showing that he has. Absolutely. He's not the Dusty Baker that left Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor in forever. Uh, he's a baseball's different and he's kind of grown despite the fact that he hasn't been a manager for years and years. And that traditionally he has been known as the quote unquote old school guy, but it seems like he's getting the right advice and he's taking the right advice. If that makes sense. He is way less old school than Matt Williams ever was. Yes. And that was one of the things that you and I were kind of, ex- when Matt Williams was hired and his sixth coach, he decided to make a defensive alignment coach. You and I were like, oh my God, the future has come. And this then, is it. And then he never shifted and it was dreadful every, I mean, it was awful. I mean, it, he never took advantage of, of those situations. And so, and now you have a guy who was in the game, lo- kind of lost the game as it were and got another chance with a good team and has taken advantage of all those opportunities to learn and make himself better, uh, as as well as some credit towards the end of his career, you know, in Cincinnati, his time in Cincinnati, where he started to evolve that maybe people weren't noticing, and then stuck out, you know, stuck up for his hitting coaches, which is why he got canned. But right, um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of credit is is due there for Dusty personally. I and I, I I'm concerned that Rivero is used so often, but I love the way that he is using him. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm saying both ways there, but I don't know. It feels like it makes you want know. there to be someone else that can be as dependable. Exactly, and I, there isn't anybody right now outside of Sean Kelly that can be, and you know that that kind of goes with still the kind of issue with the traditional ninth inning role of, you know, Jonathan Papelbon is clearly, clearly the nationals closer. And <sighs> it's clearly a, you know, I don't know if that is going to change between now and the end of the year, but it's becoming more apparent that it probably, something probably needs to be done. And I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily they have to go out and sign, you know, sign a Craig Kimbrell type, but I mean, I wouldn't say no. I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't say no, but I, I would say that Jonathan Papelbon is his, when his location is good, he's fine because he's got, he has a lot of movement right now, but his velocity is way down and he's missing literally zero bats. And it's hard to easily close out a lot of ninth innings when you can't miss a bat. Yes, it is. Uh, there are, you're not going to look at a lot of major league baseball, uh, closers, who are throwing 89 to 90, 89, 90 with occasional 91 with a strikeout rate uh, that's below like eight and a half or nine. And that's where Jonathan Papelbon is right now. Yeah. And he's living on a uh, higher BABIP than he's ever had in his entire life. Yeah. Um, strikeout per nine is right around seven right now, a career low. Yeah. His BABIP. A career is... low by a lot. His career average is over 10. <laughs> so. It's a career low by a lot. Um, yeah, and he's uh, got a three twenty eight BABIP, whereas last year he had a two fifty eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has a career lower BABIP, so you you don't have any problem with saying you know lower. But yeah, he's just he's not missing many bats bats at all, uh, and it's it's not good. 
It's definitely not good. Um, I'm not. I'm not willing to say. Oh, the Nationals need to jettison the contract and whatever. But um, I think there's value there. I just don't. I don't know how much longer it's in in, in the ninth inning. You know, I, we did, we talked about non-traditional roles, but there's something about it that uh, that makes it a little interesting. Oh, Buffalo! Wow. Yeah. He yep. murdered that baseball. Dude, did not spoil that one. For I, you. I'm pretty impressed because I looked up. I was like, oh, he killed it, and Craig didn't. Craig didn't spoil it. Yep. Craig. Didn't I tried. Spoil it. Uh, yeah. So I Papelbon, tough situation for sure. LASIK for everyone. LASIK for everybody. You'll be the best Buffalo ever if you just get LASIK. Do you think uh, Ramos stays in DC? I feel like it's becoming more likely. Yeah. By the game uh i don't the nationals don't have a lot in terms of catching down in the minors so uh they i feel like what jackson reitz isn't he like the next the next guy down the depth chart as far as catching isn't spencer kaboom oh yeah spencer kaboom is there um i i I don't know enough about his uh projection and maybe you'll talk maybe talk to our special guest next week about that. Yeah, maybe our guest next week can bring up a little Spencer Kaboom. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll try and put that on the docket. Um, because I, I don't know enough about what's going on down there as far as catching, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a possible scenario where it could be better than what Wilson Ramos can provide. Um, so I think there's, it's going to be fairly inexpensive to sign a catcher to a long-term deal because catchers don't get big deals as we talked about before. Uh, I'm starting to feel like Ramos is probably going to be around for a little while. I hope so. Um, He's been healthy this year, which has been his issue, if you will, his bugaboo (laughs) Nice uh, for his whole career. But the LASIK surgery, I mean, really seems to have made a difference. It's been significant, (laughs) for sure. I mean, it could be coincidence, but... You know, I don't think it's coincidence when you have surgery to be able to see a baseball and you see a baseball better and all of a sudden you're doing what Wilson you Ramos is doing. You hit a baseball better and you catch a baseball better. And let's let's be clear about what it is that Wilson Ramos is doing. It's hitting above 300 in June. I'm pretty sure he's above 320. He was above 320 last time I looked, but I didn't want to. Which, I mean, I want to say D. Gordon won the batting title last year at around 335. 330-something. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, hey, little a uh, little more home run action. How go. good has Danny Espinosa been lately? He's he has uh, found the fire as it were. I know we have a million Trey Turner questions. I know that's why we are not talking about Turner at this point because we have like fifteen questions about Trey Turner. So I figure we'll just leave. Yeah, Wilson Ramos after uh, today's action where he is uh, two for two for the record, uh, three for three. Wilson Ramos might be three for three actually now that I'm looking at it. Uh, he's hitting like three thirty five, three thirty six. So he's actually probably more than that, 337 maybe. Uh, he's hitting very well with seven home runs on the year uh, at this point. And, yeah, uh, Espinosa also could not be hotter than he is at the moment, which is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things you want to see. And uh, especially – Who doesn't love back-to-back jacks from your 7-8? Uh, actually, it was 6 Eight. Uh, Michael Taylor struck out. Damn it, Michael A. Taylor. Yeah, he, Who he, doesn't love home runs by your six and your eight? Yeah, it's still pretty impressive, right? And and Ramos is uh, was a was a three run, two run, three run, three run, three run shot. So pretty good, pretty good. 
Uh, and Danny Espinosa's uh, weighted runs created plus skyrocketing up to 64. So. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that at some length here. Uh, maybe now-ish? Anything more to hit before we hit questions? Mm, I'm good. All right. Well, let's just get right down to it with our first uh, two questions from Conflicting Viewpoints. Uh, we have a question from uh, Jason Worth's Beard who asks, why does Nationals 101 hate Trey? And then Nationals 101 tweets at us, you are the GM. Do you call up Trey Turner? And if so, does he start? And where does he bat? I'm going to let you knock this one uh, to start with. Uh, I don't think you need to bring him up right now. Yeah. Um, I think Danny Espinosa, as we just discussed, is one of the hottest hitters on the Nationals, which is saying something with the hitters they have. Uh, his defense is, I want to say, top 10 in all of baseball. Yeah, I think in the last look it was top top 8 at any yeah, I position think it was in, all of posi- yeah. in all of baseball. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't think there's any need to. I think, obviously, no one, even Nationals 101, would say that he's not a part of the future of the organization. And that being said... Danny Espinosa or Trey Turner? Trey Turner. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that being said, he should be playing every day. And right now, you cannot take Danny Espinosa's bat out of the lineup. Or his glove off the field. Yeah. It's that good. Yeah. Well, the glove is what makes the difference in, uh, to me. And... In the last seven games, seven days, Danny Espinosa has a 108 weighted runs created plus. It's a small sample, especially considering he's hitting 174 during that time. But he has he also has four home runs, and that was before today, and now he has four home runs. So uh, his bat is extremely hot. He's he's seeing the ball, and I think that it's hard to make an argument that you're sure that Trey Turner is going to add something in place. There's only one person to replace in the Washington Nationals lineup to make room for Trey Turner, and that's Danny Espinosa. You're not going to call up Trey Turner to sit on the bench. That is stupid. Right. It, yes, he's fast. He can make an impact in some late innings because he's really fast. One of the one of the maybe three or f- three fastest guys in baseball, maybe two. I mean, he's very quick. But you're not going to bring up a guy who you have a lot, like you said, have a long-term future with Trey Turner to to ride the bench and get cold while you continue to let Danny Espinosa play. Danny Espinosa is the only guy that you could replace who is hitting well at the moment, who's providing better de- defense. I'm excited about Trey Turner as anybody. You're you're never going to get better defense at shortstop out of uh, Danny, uh, Trey Turner than you will out of Danny Espinosa. He's Agreed. going to be a significantly better shortstop defensively than Trey Turner ever will in his entire career. Right. So... You're going with a known commodity at a time where you don't need that fix. You're a right. team that's extremely hot, that's hitting well, the pitching is going well, the defense has been successful, especially with Espinosa. I don't, I don't see where you need to make that move right I now. think having a defense first, essentially, uh, second <clears throat> or shortstop, ba- balances the offense and defense second Daniel Murphy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Now... Just to, um, uh, Frank asked, if so, does he start and where does he bat? We kind of hit the, if, does, if so, does he start? I mean, if you're calling up Trey Turner, you're calling him up to start. I, right. 
to, to call up Trey Turner, like I said, it would be the craziest thing in the world to call him up to sit the bench. That doesn't make any sense. It's just like last year when Michael Taylor got called up because they needed starters. They were never going to call Michael Taylor up to sit on the bench. The, no sense is made there. But when he eventually does come up, assuming that he is starting, where do you hit him? Assuming um, Ben Revere is still in the lineup. Assuming Ben Revere is still in the lineup? I think I, I think you have to put him at eight. Yeah, I don't think you really have a choice. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw a a uh, a cog in the wheel. Is that right? Something in the cog. Yeah, cog it's a cog in the wheel. You know, it's a. I believe that's an old Dutch saying. Nice. Uh, because uh, cog was like a you know a, a shoe maybe. That's, I feel like that's a clog, isn't it? It is a clog, but you know what? We're rolling with it. <laughs> okay, it's fine. Uh, I, oh, I, no, no. I'm thinking of something different. Okay. I think... I think I'm thinking of sabotage. Nice. I think you take something from the Joe Madden, Bruce Bochy. You hit him nine. You hit him nine? nine. Wow. Like, he... Like, I like it. I, I think if... The Nationals have never been in a situation in, that I can remember in history where they have somebody who is extremely fast, that is going to hit, I'd make a lot of contact, and and you want to have in your lineup, but you also but you have two guys who are going to be able to do that. They have Ben Revere leading off, and then it, it looks like the situation that the Giants have right now in San Francisco, where the leadoff man is Denard Spann, and hitting ninth is Angel Pagan, who was their leadoff hitter last year. You have somebody, very similar players, you're sacrificing the at-bats for Pagan, whereas that would be the same situation for Turner, which would not be the worst situation in the world. But you basically have two leadoff guys going hitting back-to-back in the order after the first time through. You have a ton of speed, a ton of contact, setting up Rendon, Harper, uh, Harper, Murphy. I, I feel like you do that after the first time through the lineup. It makes a huge difference. That's where I would I would love to see Trey Turner hitting nine situation. I like it. I think that would be the perfect spot for him. I think that'd be really cool. I don't think it'll happen. It will never happen. I think I think he probably hits to start. I think you're probably right. He would hit eighth. I think ultimately he's the Nationals' leadoff hitter. But I think that to start he hits eighth for sure. Yes. But I would love to see him hit ninth. I think it's the perfect situation for him. All right. Uh, next question, <laughs> uh, North Carolinats, whose name on Twitter is now Limpin, not Pimpin. So really well done. If Turner were a train, would the bar wow. car serve Mountain Dew so that Jay Wor- wow. Jason Worth's beard could cool off on a hot summer day? I don't really get the question, but it cracks me up. That's a good question. And I believe someone asked us what our favorite player of Dew was. That was, I think, coming up here soon. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and answer it? Uh, I like the live wire, oh, the which wire. is the orange do. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm I'm a, an OG do guy. Like OG do original Mountain Dew for me when I have video it. games. The OG and Doritos. Doritos. Yes. Oh god, I do like Doritos. I love a Dorito. <laughs> Who doesn't like Doritos? I mean, a uh, lot, I think a lot of robot umps now, please. Yeah, I know. Oh, we didn't hit that. Maybe we'll hit it at the end here, depending on how long it takes us to get through these questions. Um, uh, Nick, I like this question when I got it. Nick Annan asks, imagine you are standing in the third base box. Are you waving home Stephen Drew with reference of Stephen Drew's inside the park crazy home run uh, on 
what it was it Tuesday night in Philadelphia. Um, oh man, I I would have to watch the replay a lot closer, honestly, because I think from what I remember watching it a couple times, the fielders were very nonchalant. Yeah, about everything. It was a little bit comical, and I believe it was probably a second baseman going out there to yeah. make the relay. Um, I would have to be watching him specifically just to see how seriously he was taking it, whether he thought there was a chance, whether he was actually in the play. And I don't recall it looking like he was, so um, might have, probably wouldn't. So I watched that replay uh, several dozen times as I was making the gift of it. Um, so after watching that play many times in full version and in gift form, I have absolutely no problem with sending him there. I'm not saying that it was necessarily the smartest move, but th- it was yakety sacks out in the outfield. It was two players that somehow ended up right next to each other with a ricochet off the wall, the right fielder who was, I, th- I think Tyler Goodell, uh, he, who uh, was not there to play the ball off the wall at all. He had to run up for it. And ultimately, it was that Stephen Drew never slowed down, ever. No. He was sprinting the entire way through. And so if I, he got around third base. The second baseman, I think, actually, I think it was Goodall that was picking it up in right field, but kind of was nonchalantly coming up to it. Drew never let up on it. I, I mean, I, I would have sent him, personally. Yeah. I, I, I really do think that I would have. I now I'm I mean I'm I'm a bad third base coach even at softball, so I don't know what <laughs> it says about anything, but uh I probably would have sent him. And I am so glad. Uh by the time I caught up on Twitter to all the hilarity tweets about it, uh all I was thinking about was trying to find a video of Jeff Franker. Yeah. And there you were. Yeah, I I that video is saved on my phone permanently because God, when I'm having a bad so day, good. I just watch it on repeat because God. it was like Jeff Rancor, who has one of the better right field arms in baseball or had it when he was had. Game. Yes. I mean, he really, really good. Uh, just, yeah, could not get a handle on a baseball um, for like the life of him. It just, it was unreal, unreal, but yeah, I probably would have sent him, but I like nice. that question a lot. That was good. Yeah. Uh, so, yep, there's Beard. We answered your question. What's the favorite flavor of Mountain Dew? Uh, Jen asks uh, look, to look at the field of 64. Who do you pick to make the College World Series eight teams? I cannot begin to answer this question, so I'm choosing not to. Nice. Do you have any ideas? I, I, I know you watch the game closer than me. Uh, South Carolina. South, yeah, there you go. <laughs> go Cox. Yeah, I think Florida's got a really good team led by uh, 6'4", righty and projected 1-1 overall A.J. Pook. Pook. So I think Florida's got a good team. Can't rule out those California teams. So uh, it'll be interesting. It's like little college baseball. So Yeah. I, I, I love college baseball. I love watching the World Series. I just don't tend to watch the regional and super regional and all that stuff. I just I, I don't typically find the time to do it, unfortunately. I just love the terminology yeah, it's it's awesome. It's not just a regional, Joe. Super regional. It's a super regional. That's right. I can't wait for the mega regional. <laughs> it's going to happen eventually when they have the round of 96 or whatever. 
It's going to make money somehow. No, it's it's not a revenue sport. <laughs> no, I know. Unfortunately, it's a, it's not like uh, not like football and basketball. That's right. Uh, all right, Daniel Guzman. Dan Guzman. Guzman. Damn it. So close. You'll get there. I'll get there eventually. Dan, I'm trying, man. Uh, asks, uh, can you explain why it still feels like Worth is hitting 200 and Harper is hitting 320, uh, 375? Excuse me. Why do I feel that way? Am I tired? <laughs> Probably on the last question. We're all tired, Dan. We're all tired. Um, life is a hell of a thing to happen to a person. Not, yes. So this is always one of my favorite things to think about, uh, just because you see these players come out at the beginning of the season and they light the world on fire for about three weeks yep. and then completely fall off the table. And still two months later, you're like, oh, yeah, they're having a great year. Just because everyone's so excited that baseball's back that they're talking about everything good or everything bad. Like, everything means everything, you know? Yep. It means so much at the time. Like, uh, at the beginning of the season, every best fan in baseball was talking about how... Uh, every best hate- fan in baseball. Hazel Baker was way better than Jason Hayward ever could have been. And since the first three weeks of the season, he's hitting like 102. Yep. And there are still people you'll find be like, oh, yeah, Hazel Baker, he's the answer, you know? Yeah. So it's just, it's just something about the beginning of the year. It's just weird. It's just strange. Um, and Bryce Harper started off the year absolutely amazingly. His first month was spectacular. Yep. And has tailed off since, and uh, Jason Worth the exact opposite. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like it's not. It's like an alternate recency bias. It's like a beginning of the season bias. Yeah. So, well, that's why the, I I agree with that sentiment because it it is easy to just get caught up in the in the, you know, it's how you remember it at the beginning of the year when sample sizes were easy to remember and kind of easy to digest. But I will add the fact that Bryce Harper, despite the fact that he's you know, having a really tough go of it at the moment still has a 415 on base percentage. So it's not like you're not seeing him on base all the time. So it's it's pretty easy to go, yeah, it feels like Bryce Harper's hitting, hitting 375 because essentially he is. He's just walking all the time. Um, so that's that one point. And then with the Jason Worth situation, I will add because there is the next question that we have by uh, Ryan Lore is... Uh, why do people think Worth is good at baseball? And the answer is he has been for an extremely long career. That's why yeah. Jason Worth is good at baseball. Yeah, Jason Worth is one of the 500 best players in baseball, and I haven't looked at baseball reference lately to see where he ranks all time, but I'm sure it's quite impressive. Yeah, he's he's extremely good and has been for a long time. And I just want to add over the last two weeks – uh, Jason Worth is hitting uh, 265 with 321 on base percentage, and his weighted runs created plus is 102. You can so, find some of those stats in my Nats blog piece. And you should go check it out. But uh, Worth is coming around, and ultimately with Jason Worth that you have to remember is you're now looking at a guy who is 37 years old and – is is approaching the end of his career. You're not going to get what you got out of him in 2012, 2013, 2014. But you don't need to. And as long as he gets out of those slumps and starts to hit like he's hitting now, he's a net advantage for your team. And especially when he's started to figure out left field fairly well. So, you know, I, I, 
I think Jason Ward's a pretty good baseball player, and you'd be hard pressed to find a baseball person to disagree with that. Personally, yeah, I think. Uh, Jude asks Michael A. Uh, Hart Michael A. Hart Michael A. But should he go to uh, Syracuse to get some day to day in the game, hitting a bit, and then come back? Yeah, I, I thought so, but they sent Den Decker down instead. Yeah, but... I, I think that. I think Taylor needs at bats. Uh, he's a young player who didn't get a whole lot of him in the minor leagues as a top-level prospect before he had to have a starting center fielder job because of, wow, that's a great catch. Yeah, uh, what the hell is with Philly having a defense for a change? That's crazy. Um, but I think with Michael Taylor, he kind of got thrown into Major League Baseball in 2015 because of, like, a thousand injuries. And never really got the chance to have any extended success and at-bats in the minor leagues as a top-level prospect. Um, he started to get that in 2015, and then he had to come and be a major league center fielder. So I don't think that—I think that some minor league at-bats would do him some good, for sure. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I but don't think it'll happen either. I, I think he's, unfortunately for him— is going to be a major leaguer, and unfortunately, because of the the lack of time to build it, could kind of become a fringe major leaguer. And I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, that's what I see as well. It, it think, seems to. Be, I think we're seeing where the organization views him. Yeah, it, it's the organization sees him as a better than a Tyler Moore type, but similar thought process. It seems like, unfortunately, with the Ben Ben Revere acquisition was a sign of that. I think, and then I am really happy to see him. Getting some defensive replacement time. Well, and that's a huge value of his. Yeah. He is extremely good defensively and way better on every level than Ben Revere defensively. So, I mean, I, I, I'm glad to see him in that situation, but the bat is just not there right now. And it's just a matter of will he be able to ever get it there. And when you're having you know a game or two a week at the major league level, it's hard to see how you could get it there. That's just, I don't, I don't know how you do it. Um... Oh, right. Totally thought I was going to catch that, by the way. Yeah, that was, uh, it would have been, it wouldn't be surprising, but, you know, instead, Daniel Murphy triple, because yeah. why not? Uh, Dan Guzman, got it, asked another question. Uh, as, as of June 1st, NLE standings look like a four-team race. Do you see anyone but the Mets posing a real threat? I also thought this was a very good question. I thought it was a fantastic question. Um, and no, I think ultimately not. I don't think that you should sleep on the Marlins entirely. And I kind of felt that way coming into this year that they were kind of a fringe team coming in with, if you, if you could get some Stanton health and they had health, even though he was very bad, uh, at the, but you expect that to come around. Jose Fernandez being one of the best four or five pitchers of baseball right now. Um, I don't think you sleep on it. I don't think you sleep on the Marlins having a having having a conversation. But I think ultimately they'll be out of it by mid August. Yep. Uh, maybe maybe end of August if they really go well. But I think it's going to be a a very very tight you know. One to five game range between the Nationals and the Mets from now until the end of September. Yeah, might I interject really quick? Yes, please do. Um, I am not ready for a 
follow the Mets every game as well. I have been saying this since the beginning of April. <laughs> it I, drives, it drives I can't me crazy. do it. I cannot do it. Yeah. I baseball season is way, way too long. I mean, way too long to be able to handle all of the the oh, so the Nationals won, the Mets lost, or the Mets didn't play today, the Nationals won, you get a half game up. It's like this is you win as many baseball games, you win a bunch of series, and then you start talking about standings like at the end of August. Yeah. Because you'll kill yourself hanging on every single game. If you want to do that, that's fine. But I, I, I can't. I can't. I cannot do it. I, cannot I do not do have. I am emotionally fragile as it is. Amen. As a human person. And, and, and compared to me, you look very strong. So yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I can't do it. I just can't do it. That's, yeah, I'm not ready for it. I don't want to. Um, yeah, the Mets are going to do their thing. I, everyone that prognosticates about baseball said that this was going to be a close race all season. So yep. I just assume that it's going to be a close race all season long. So. And it is going to be, you know that. And I, you know, I watch, I watch the Mets, not because I want to see what they're doing, because the Mets have a really good baseball team and I like watching really good baseball. And what I prefer when I watch those games to see the Mets lose Without question, I'd prefer to see the Mets lose. But I also like seeing Noah Syndergaard pitch, and I also like seeing Yoannis Cespedes hit, and I like seeing all of those things happen. So, uh, I at this point, and really at all times, I'm very much in the I want to see good baseball games mentality. Um, I obviously want to see the Mets lose, but I, I just like Craig said, I can't watch standings. I just can't do it. Not, I don't watch standings much at all, even into September. But if I have to, I will start watching it then, but not now. Just not not now. What was that? It was another beer. I, I'm asking what it was. Oh, same one. Oh, same one. Nice. Uh, speaking of beer questions, the Nats GM, Ryan Sullivan, asks, who are the Nats drafting next week? And this is the time that I'm going to uh, provide the spoiler and say that we will be having Ryan Sullivan on the podcast to talk about the Nationals draft and the draft at large and Nationals prospect and all the things he knows about and is smart about on the podcast next Wednesday. Correct? Wednesday? Did I get the day right? I think so. Next week. Ryan Sullivan will be the the exclusive guest on the Nats blog. I'll confirm Uh, right now. Nice. No, I'll I'll check, confirm, continue talking. Okay, fine. Uh, Ryan Sullivan's going to be on the show uh, next week. The uh, Wednesday. On Wednesday, the 8th. So it'll be out late on the 8th, but we will do our best to live stream. I'm not going to guarantee it. It just depends on the setup. But uh, we'll have Ryan on. We'll talk for a while. It'll be awesome. He knows a lot about uh, about draft and prospects and Nationals minor leagues, and we'll definitely be hitting all those topics next week. So uh, you'll definitely want to check that out either live, preferably live, but also – also on the podcast, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. We'll we'll hopefully do some live stream talk with with Ryan that may not even be on the podcast. So there's some incentive to to get to the live show next week. All right, uh, Beard wants to know what uh, he needs to do to appease the baseball gods. I was like, I don't know. I think things are going pretty well for Beard's owner at the moment. I'd say so as well. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I think things are going okay for you, Beard. Um. All right. Fang asks a couple of questions. Uh, the Do you want to answer the long-form Florida baseball question? Oh, man. What was can, what was the question? 
Will Florida will baseball survive in Florida? Like, why or why? I feel like why, will baseball survive or why won't it? He didn't send the question. I gotta go dig for it. Hold on. Okay, um, I can just talk about baseball in Florida. Okay, hold on. Um, let me let me give you the next question and I'll go find it. Okay. Uh, which non-nationals mascot is your favorite and why? Also from Phil. Um, is the San Diego chicken still a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope so because the San Diego chicken is awesome. Big fan of that one. I like the big uh, dinosaur in Colorado. I think that's a fun one. I like how the Cubs mascot doesn't wear pants. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, Mr. Met's pretty funny. Obviously, everyone loves Orbit. Yeah, uh, Orbit's in, great. Orbit's in great. Houston. Yes. I don't know. The Fanatic's great. I don't know. It's Yeah, Fanatic is classic. It's just classic annoying mascot, but it is funny fairly frequently. So I, I, I have a hard time not liking it, despite the fact that he's a the Phillies mascot. So the, the Florida question is, uh, what the bleep is wrong with MLB in Florida? That's the question. Oh, uh, what the bleep is wrong with MLB in Florida? Yes. Uh, it's just not working. Yeah. It, Florida, it, Florida across all sports is not conducive to sport. No. Look um, at any sport in Florida and you're going to see a half full stadium, arena, ballpark, whatever. It's just, that's Florida sport, I feel like, for the most part. Am I wrong? I don't think so, unless it's college. Oh, I'm talking pro sports. Oh, yeah. God. College is a whole different world. College is a different world. Um, but no, hockey, basketball, NFL, which is the most popular sport in America. By, by a lot. By a lot. <laughs> yeah. Never been really successful. And Especially yes, there are like fans. Tampa there are Bay fans. Jacksonville. I mean, there are... Not a lot, not a lot of sellouts there. No, it's it's weird. Uh, spring training is there and it does well, uh, but I think more of it's a destination thing. Totally, Just, I think it's a destination and timing kind of thing. Destination but. end of winter, people you know excited about baseball. People go to Florida for the beach and some baseball for a little while. Kind of, but situation. I know people said about the Florida now Miami Marlins. That, oh, well, get a new stadium in a better location with better transit and people will go. Well, they put, they put it downtown. It's a remarkable facility and it's got a roof. Yeah. And nobody goes. <laughs> and the same thing is said of Tampa. Yeah, uh, right. Oh, well, the stadium's a dog. Uh, if it's in, you know, a different spot, maybe across the river instead of in St. Petersburg, it's in Tampa. Maybe it's a different story, but yeah. well, hasn't seemed to be the case. We've heard that story before. Right. So they, they, they still don't draw. And, I mean, I have to drive over an hour to get to Nats games. And I go to Nats games. Yeah, exactly. I have too. many friends in Loudoun County that go to Nats games. Many, many Nats games, some of them being season ticket holders. Yes. I mean, so if the fan and interest is there, distance really doesn't matter that much. Yep. So it's just not there, and it's sad, but I, I just got And it's especially bait. sad for the fans that are there, the ones yeah. that are dedicated to it, because you got to imagine those teams aren't going to be around for that much longer, right. it, especially when you look at the Rays. I mean, that's been the writing on the wall for 15 years now, but um, it just feels like that's going to keep on uh, keep on going, unfortunately. And uh, who knows where they end up? I, I, I hope Montreal. Montreal would be awesome. The Canadian economy needs to do a little bit better right now, though. Yeah, hard hard to imagine a a, a team going there right now. But 
No, the strength of the loony is terrible. Look at you. Strength, yeah. Strength of the loony. Dude, it's like 70 cents to yeah, the dollar it's pretty right bad. now. It's pretty it's, bad right now. It's really bad. And when I was there in... Uh, I went Years to, ago, yeah. Yeah, Toronto, and I think 11 was the last time that I was there. It was like, I don't know, like 92 cents to the dollar. Yeah, it was like really strong. But yeah, it was now very it's not. strong. It was not good for me, but it was good for their economy for sure. Uh, all right. Um... Fang wants to know, what do you think of the concept of a personal catcher? Is it diva-like to have one? I like this question. Is it diva-like? That was the I, secondary question, yeah. Um, I I think it's fine. I think it's a, a problem that a lot of uh, stat-driven folk uh, find difficult to imagine uh, in the same way as clubhouse chemistry is a hard-to-quantify totally. concept that definitely definitely exists yes um comfort level is a large factor for any person in the workplace yeah and not even baseball you get comfortable that's right so i mean anyone that has to do a project at work sometimes you'd rather do it with phil sometimes you'd rather do it with bob you know depending on what the project is you're just more comfortable doing it with uh, a certain person go on all right (laughs) so i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, I don't think it's a slight to anyone. I think you want your players to be most comfortable because when your team is at their most comfortable, that's when they're going to be most efficient, most productive, yada, 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 the same as in any office place. Yep. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I, I like the idea of a personal catcher. It's a guy that somebody feels comfortable with. If, if you have a, uh, a pitcher that performs extremely well with a particular catcher, why not have those guys throw to each other? I don't like. I I don't see a problem with it. I don't know why there would be an issue with that thought process. Knuckleball, knuckleballers have been doing it for a long time because only certain catchers know how to catch the ridiculous dancing pitch that is a knuckleball. What was it, Doug Mirabelli? Yeah, it's just random guys that end up catching knuckleball pitchers. But uh, other pitchers can have that too. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I, I know Fang has a please discuss the depth of bench players question. Do you want to take two seconds with that? Um, the depth of bench players. Depth of the bench players. Uh, it's good to have it. It's good to have depth. Yes. I, I think the, I think the Nationals bench has been um, way better than it was last year. I mean, they're yeah. eight pinch hit home runs already. Yeah, I think... I think the only thing that I could just add to that is the Nationals have it this year, and it has shown. That's that is the depth to bench players thought to me. For me, I don't know. They have it, and it's showing that they have it because they've been better. When you have a good bench, you tend to be a better team. Anything else before we wrap up episode one twenty two? Don't think I've got anything else. I don't think I do either. I think we have uh, wrapped up our topics for. This episode of Nats Talk on the go, I will remind you that uh, we are going to get together on Saturday someplace in uh, in Arlington, Saturday, June th- uh, 4th, uh, for the Nationals game. We had this on the docket far before Craig and I realized that there was going to be a watch party at Nationals Park. If you go to that, no hard feelings. We just want an excuse to get, to- get together and watch some baseball. So we're going to do that. But if you'd like to join us, uh, it will be a location uh, somewhere near D.C., Virginia side uh, that we will be able to get together and watch some baseball. So if you'd like to join us, uh, feel free. 
uh, we will put something out on Twitter at Nats Talk on the go with that information before it happens. So that's my my little plug for that on the show. Nice. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Nats Talk on the Go. Thank you for listening. If you're listening live, we'll chat for a few more minutes on the other side of the music. Otherwise, thank you guys for listening, and we will chat with you next time. Thanks for listening to Nats Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the Special Ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash specialops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!